What is up, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans. A huge Rockets, a huge Astros fan. What a 24 hours of Houston sports yesterday. And I'll be honest, I thought all day yesterday about two years ago when we went to Seattle and it was World Series Game 5, same day. And I feel like, and and Game 5 is won in that World Series against the Dodgers that some people point to as maybe the best baseball game of the last, I mean, 25, 30, 40, 50 years. I mean, some people think it's the best baseball. The people that were there think it's the best baseball game they've ever seen. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with them. I have never seen it in its entirety because we were flying back from Seattle. But I always felt like, I felt like, dang it. I don't want to say we didn't hold up our end of the bargain because we lost. But, man, what, what a game that was in Seattle. But I always felt like, man, dang it. What a day that would have been to go upset Seattle in Seattle and then come back and watch the Astros win that game five against the L.A. Dodgers. What a, what a Sunday that would have been. Yesterday, it wasn't the World Series, but it was the Yankees, and it was the Chiefs. And that's what made it somewhat similar that, yeah, okay, it's not the, it's not the World Series yet, but it was a must-win for the Astros. And it was a game at Kansas City that's often been, been linked to Seattle because of the noise, the crowd, how they get into it, all that kind of stuff, and how you know this you got to deal with the crowd noise and how that all goes. And then you got to face a transcendent quarterback up in Seattle. You face Russell Wilson. Yesterday you faced Patrick Mahomes, all that kind of stuff. And the Texans never blinked. Never blinked. And that I think that to me is what made the day special. That down seventeen to three. Cheetah's making a play where he's jumping over Justin Reed and then diving over the goal line on his first game back. He scores two touchdowns. Damian Williams scores a touchdown. And those guys are just dancing a fool after those touchdowns. And our guys just went to work. Went to work. Especially up front. The offensive line yesterday just knocking people around. Even when Rod Johnson went in for Titus Howard, it didn't change. They were still able to run the same stuff, just pounding guys at the line of scrimmage. The two drives in the fourth quarter took up essentially 14 minutes of the fourth quarter. In the second half alone, the Texans maintained possession of the ball 80% of the time. 80%. They ran it so well, it essentially took Frank Clark, one of the highest paid free agents in the game, essentially out of the game. And they just browbeat them. Up one side and down the other. Now, that's not something they did in Seattle. Seattle was the aerial attack. It was fuller for two. It was hop for two. It was fuller deep. It was hop with the screen. Then he ran for 72 yards. But in the end, Russell Wilson was able to pull it out. But yesterday, with the game on the line, fourth and three, two minutes left. You get a first down. The Saints, the Saints, the Chiefs can't stop the clock. And you throw the football to DeAndre Hopkins, the two players you trust the most, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and they get it done. What a, what a win it was. 
And then you get the Astros with Carlos Correa last night. And it's I, I, I got to give credit to Sean Pendergast. He said this in the morning show, uh, Payne Pendergast, this morning as I was driving in, I was listening. I think it was maybe the first, second, first segment, maybe second segment. He said, when you think about the, the Texans and the Astros and you thought about what might be going into the year, what might be the Achilles heels for both teams. For the Texans, you thought offensive line. Well, that definitely is not the case now, but you thought it for a long time. And then the secondary, in particular the corner position. And then for the Astros, the bullpen, and then Carlos Correa's back. And because of the back, Carlos Correa. Offensive line doesn't give up a sack, one tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits. That's zero sacks in two games. Now, it's a bigger challenge this week. In fact, it's a stout challenge this week. Corner of the uh, secondary, even with Bradley Roby out and with J. Joe out, they, in the second half, did a really nice job. Held Patrick Mahomes to 273 yards. Some of that has to do with the pass rush, but so be it. Then the Astros side bullpen through what, four and a third? And then you had Carlos Correa doing what he did early in the game and then with the uh, with the jack to win it. It's an awesome day. Awesome, awesome Houston sports day. It was really cool. We actually drove just like back in 2017. We drove. We were on our buses driving by Minute Maid Park as that game was going on last night. It was just like, yo, pull over. And let's just take everybody and go inside. It looked like an incredible environment, man. It was really cool. But to walk out of Arrowhead with a win, to see the Astros win the way that they did with Correa's home run in the, what, 11th, I think it was, it was a great day. It was really it was really a great day. All right, we're going to break down what happened in the NFL. Later in the show, we'll also have our buddy Andre Ware uh, to talk about what he saw yesterday from the Texans, what he's seen from the AFC South. It's been crazy. AFC South is just it's, I should say it's crazy, but Minshew Mania kind of died down for a day facing a really good Saints defense in Jacksonville. Keep that in mind because when Deshaun faced that Saints defense and the Texans faced that Saints defense, they put up 28 in the Dome. I don't think any other team has done that this year. Maybe the, I think the Rams did early. Rams did early, but I don't think it was that many. And then you had the Titans going out to Denver and taking a goose egg. And may have a new quarterback. So all that's going on in the AFC South. And then you've got these two behemoths that are going to go up against each other. And it's going to be a Goliath against a Goliath on Sunday. It is going to be a bare-knuckled brawl on Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Now, I've talked enough. So we're already kind of into the show. Let's get to our hot reads. They're presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes. can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And on a Monday, you know what? Let's do a little... Audio and here's we're gonna make this a, we're gonna make this a little special today. It's gonna be a little different, and different. I mean, in a good way. We're gonna go Johnson, Johnson, and Johnson with our Texans audio jukebox. Let's start with rookie corner Lonnie Johnson, who I thought played a really, really good ball game yesterday, and has continued to get better week in and week out. And he says, as a rookie, I got to just try and simplify things so I can just go play. Just trying not to play like a rookie. Just go out there and um, 
play to my potential. Just go out there and uh, do what I can to help the team win. When my number called, just go out there and play. And that's what he's got to do. And his number was called 100% of the time yesterday. He was on the field for every single play. And there were times where he was matched up with Travis Kelsey. And it's not a bad matchup. You're not going to have six foot four, 250-pound corners to completely match up with Travis Kelsey. So the best you can do is 6-2-2-12, and that's what Lonnie Johnson is. And <laughs> Lonnie was happy that Kelsey didn't score on him, so that was good. But Lonnie made some plays against the big Chiefs tight end. I didn't give up no touchdowns, so uh, that's my goal coming in the game every week, try not to give up no touchdowns. And uh, uh, Kelsey's a great player. Just went out there and did what I had to do against Kelsey and Dan, whoever else I was guarding. So just went out there and played ball. Lonnie Johnson did a really good job yesterday. Really happy with him. Now, I just mentioned his size. And it's when you see Lonnie, you're like, yo, that's a corner? And to me, Lonnie's a little bit more than a corner. Because he'll play outside, he'll play inside, he'll play on tight ends. He does a lot. And he discussed matching up because of his size. He can match up with some guys with speed, but he can match up because of his size, too. I'm 6'3". I'm, I'm a big person, too. So uh, just go out there. I mean, that's what these guys brought me here for. Just I can do multiple things. Um, versatile. So just went out there and did what I was supposed to do. I thought he played extremely well. Now, one thing that he's doing is that he's he's improving every single week, and that's what you want. Now, the challenge this week is about like it was last week. And Lonnie, was not, Lonnie did not end up on Tyreek, which is good. And I would imagine Lonnie's going to end up on T.Y. Hilton. But the Colts have some receivers that they can throw at the Texans, and it's going to be a tough challenge. And they got a couple of really good tight ends, and Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. So secondary is going to get another test but they can relish in what they did yesterday, at least for a little while. And then come Wednesday when they get back in this building after day off tomorrow, they can get ready and get locked in on the Colts. And I would imagine that the guys are already locked in knowing what they got ahead of them. Now, let's go to the offensive side of the ball, staying with our Johnson, Johnson, and Johnson theme, and talk to Duke Johnson. And I think Duke has come in and done an exceptional job. I mean, the touchdown catch yesterday to catch from Deshaun and then get to the goal line and hang on to the ball and get inside the pylon for the touchdown. He had a great run in the fourth quarter on the go-ahead touchdown drive, and he said, all credit goes to the O-line, baby. The guys are friends do a great job of, you know, moving the pile, and even even when it's not perfect, they, they go out and put maximum effort to get us, uh, you know, little holes and little gaps, and me and Carlos just try to do the best we can, uh, moving our feet and finding the holes. And that's what Duke definitely does. He will move his feet and find a hole, there's no doubt. Now, I did worry earlier in the season, first of all, because I worry about everything, but Duke had been practicing with Lamar Miller when Lamar, before Lamar got hurt against Dallas. He had been practicing, and so he was kind of going through all the different plays, learning basically his playbook. And then Carlos came in, and they've been, they've been sharing the wealth, but they were all new. Like, they were all new. I had no idea what to expect. But Duke said, look, all us new guys, all the new pieces, we're starting to gel and come together. We started the year off with a lot of new guys, and it's just about gelling and getting on the same page. Uh, and I don't think we're there yet. We're still not there yet. We still have a long way to go. It's a long season. Uh, but each game want to get better, uh, better than the last. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, going back to kind of Lonnie's point, and my point about Lonnie is with a rookie, you just want to get better and better. You just want to keep improving. As the coach said, it's an improvement league, man. You, you just got to keep improving. 
And when you have a bunch of new pieces, what you want to see from them is continuing to gel. And once you do that, those pieces get on the same page, you can become a much better unit. And then becoming a better unit, you become a better team. Now, Duke said yesterday that, or I'm sorry, today, it's a really tough team that we're on. We can bounce back. You're down 17-3 in Arrowhead. You lose your right tackle in the second half. You lose your two. You've already lost one starting corner. You lose your other starting corner in the second half. Team just fought through it. Duke said, this is a tough team, boys. The win wasn't easy. Uh, we had a lot of mistakes, a lot of things we could have done better. Uh, but we never gave up. That's one thing that I can say uh, about this team is we don't give up no matter what the score is, no matter how much time is left on the clock. Uh, the game is over. It's over. That is true. Now, that all said, the mistakes he's talking about, if you think about this one, I said this to Mark this morning. Let's say Will catches one, one of those three deep balls. And look, those weren't, e- those weren't easy. I don't know how people say, he dropped him, he dropped him. Those are not easy. I want you to run a 4-3 speed and try to track the ball all the way down the field, then spin around and then try and catch it. And the thing was, is Deshaun threw it in the right spot because he's trying to avoid the other safety on one of them. Let's just say he caught one of them. And then Hop catches his because Hop catches that ball, he's going to get in the end zone. That's two touchdowns. You make the field goal and the extra point. That's 49 points. And it's not even really close. Now, Rod Johnson came into the game and played at right tackle yesterday, and he had one major goal as it was when he came into the game. It's pretty simple, but it was one major goal that he wanted to accomplish for sure. Sad to see my man go down, but <laughs> fingers crossed that he's eligible to return soon, get back on the field, but it's just the next man up, and the offense was clicking out just to make sure that the, there was no drop-off from when Titus left, and I got in. That's what we did to win the game. That just wanted no drop-off, and there was none. And when you, if you watch the fourth and three play at the very end, there's a blitz. It's blitz zero, so they're bringing one more than we can block. And so Rod takes Tyron on the inside blitz. He goes in the B-gap, and Rod hits him so hard it spins him around. It almost spun him right into the passing lane between Deshaun and DeAndre. I mean, he, he just hammered him. I mean, it was really good. It was really, really good. And Rod said, look, we've got to continue to keep number four clean. That's what we have to do as an offensive line. It is 100% total effort on the offense, especially the offensive line, to keep Deshaun Watson clean. Honing in our techniques, you know, all us working together, not only offensive line, but, you know, receivers running their routes, the running backs, picking up the uh, sites and adjustments as well. So it's not only the offensive line, but the offense is clicking to keep them upright. That's a great point. That is a great point from Rod. Yes, it is the offensive line that gets the majority of the credit when there are no sacks, and it takes the majority of the credit, blame, when there are five sacks. But it's a total team effort. Receivers are getting out routes. Deshaun's throwing the ball uh, to his checkdowns. He's taking what's there. When it starts to break down a little bit, he hangs a little bit, and then he finds a little seam, and he boom, he goes. It's a full, concentrated effort. The offensive line plays such a big role. And like I said, credit or blame, that's where it goes. But that group has been very, very good. Ran for 192. If we run for 192 this weekend, shut it down. Shut it down. Now, run for 192 this week against these Jokers is going to be rough. These guys can play. They're rough. They are rugged. That's the way that Chris Ballard has wanted that front to be. But they do not have Kimiko Toure. They lost him in that game against the Chiefs. And he's the, he's the pass rush presence off the edge. 
So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I've We've seen some updates on Titus and on Bradley. Uh, it does look like it may be a little bit for either one, but Rod's going to have to step in, as he said. Look, he doesn't want Titus to be out long, but Rod's got to step in and do some work now, and he's going to have to prepare as, as the starter, I would imagine, this week over at right tackle. So uh, he stepped in. I thought he did a pretty good job, and now he's going to have to do it probably for a few weeks at a minimum. Uh, and hopefully we can get Titus back and we can get Rad- Bradley back uh, in due time. So uh, could there be some roster machinations and movement? Probably. Probably. But we'll we'll see how that goes, and that will probably take place over the next day or two uh, to get ready for this game. But I can't wait. I love going up to Indy. I love going up there for the combine. I love going up there when we win as well. And we've done that a few times, and so hopefully we'll do that again. But that is this coming week. What happened yesterday? I got that for you next. We'll go around the NFL right here on Texas All Access. Hey, just a reminder, when the Texans win, you win. Mattress Firm's got you covered. Papa John's, Palais Royal, and the Texans did score two or more touchdowns. So jack in the box as well. 40% off your purchase of a Texans mattress at any Houston area mattress firm when you say Texans win, valid today and tomorrow, two days after a Texans win, 20% off any other items. Go to Palais Royal and just say, go Texans, and you'll receive $20 off your purchase of $50 the day after the Texans win. It's also good online and no exclusions. And Papa John's, 50% off online pizza orders. Any size, any toppings, enter promo code TEXANS today, and you get 50% off your Papa John's orders. And that free Texans Jumbo Jack with your large drink purchase at Jack in the Box because the Texans scored two or more touchdowns yesterday in Kansas City. So when the Texans win, you win. I love that. I love that. It's not just about the Texans winning. Everybody gets a win. I've taken advantage of that Palo Royal uh, uh, thing on Monday, too. I've gone in there a few times. I think I got a jacket there at Palo Royal. I've gone to uh, uh, Papa John's. We did Papa John's pizza one night with that as well. So you got all of that. Texans win, you win. How about that? All right, welcome back to the show. Texas All Access on this Monday, a little over 24 hours since we left Kansas City, Missouri, with a win over the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs were 4-0 heading into that Sunday night game against the Colts. They are now 4-2. There are all kinds of questions that they are now having to face because of what went down yesterday in Arrowhead Stadium. Can't stop the run. Defense is struggling. Uh, it, it was it's bad. I mean, I, I follow a number of Chiefs media and such online, and it's just like the Chiefs can't do anything right. They can't stop the run. They can't run. They can't stop the pass. I mean, they're losing it. I mean, I, I said that back in the offseason. Everybody was, was crowning them as champs. I said defensively, I, I mean, I see the pieces they brought in, man, but I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I didn't think it would result in that yesterday, but I'm glad it did. Really glad that it did because the Texans moved forward too. Why is that important against the AFC team? Because now you got the tiebreaker over the Chiefs if it comes down to it. So let's just say the Patriots. Let's say the Patriots go sixteen and zero. Let's just say they do that, which would include a win over the Texans. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But let's just say it does. And say the Texans and Chiefs both win the division somehow, and the Ravens are nine and seven. I don't know. The Texans and Chiefs are tied. Texans have the head-to-head tiebreaker. That's down the road. But it's just nice to have those tiebreakers. And here's the other thing about the Texans. They have faced three AFC teams. Three. 
Texans beat the Chargers, beat the Jags, beat the Chiefs. 3-0 against AFC, 2-0 against AFC West. On the road, both of them. That's kind of nice. But what happened throughout the league yesterday? Well, let's dive in. It started in London where the Carolina Panthers took home a 37-26 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this was the Jameis Winston show the wrong way. He threw for 400 yards, but Winston was sacked seven times, and he threw five interceptions. All Kyle Allen did on the other side was complete 20 and 32, 227 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And that turned out to be the key. Christian McCaffrey held in check in the run game, 22 for 31. But he did end up with one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown. Panthers get the win, 37 to 26 in London. They both will now have the bye week, but it does look like the Panthers are pretty darn good. The Baltimore Ravens, check out these numbers for Lamar Jackson as the Ravens win 23-17. The Bengals started off with a 92-yard kickoff return to go up 7-0. Then Lamar Jackson went off. 19 rush attempts, 152 yards, and a touchdown. He threw for 236 yards, 21 of 33. Lamar Jackson went off. And oh, by the way, the Ravens shut the Bengals completely down. The Bengals, I don't think they're very good. But 23-17, the Bengals scored late in the game to get within six, but couldn't get the ball back. Ravens win. Ravens 4-2 and two, just like the Texans and the Chiefs. They get a 23-17 win. This one I was really interested in to see how this one would go for the Seattle Seahawks having to go to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Now, if I told you that Cleveland had no sacks, no quarterback hits, two tackles for a loss, you would have thought, there ain't no way they're not beating the Browns with that. What they did have was three interceptions. Tedrick Thompson had one. Uh, K.J. Wright had one, and Trey Flowers had one. And that ended up being the difference in this one. 32-28, to 28, the Seahawks went on a run. They were down 20-6 to six, and then scored 19 unanswered points to go up 25-20. The Browns took a lead 28-25, but then Chris Carson pounded in with five minutes left to give the Seahawks a 32-28 win on the road over the Browns. That gets the Browns to 2-4. and four. Oh, the media darlings of the offseason are struggling. But the Seahawks, 5-1. and one. Also 5-1, and one, the New Orleans Saints. And that one for the Seahawks came from the Saints. The Saints beat the Jaguars 13-6. It was kind of an ugly game. But Minshew Mania took a break for the day. 14 of 29, less than 50% completion percentage, 163 yards, sacked twice, picked once, 51.4 rating. And Teddy Bridgewater just did what he does. 24 of 36, 240 yards, did throw a touchdown, no picks. Michael Thomas had 8 for 89. And the Saints win somewhat an ugly game. Scored in the fourth quarter after a 75-yard drive. And then held on 13-6 to down in Duval County. The Saints are 5-1. and one. That I'm sure nobody saw coming. Well, I'm sure you all saw it coming. But you didn't see it happening without Drew Brees. And they've been without Drew Brees. Now, 
I think Breeze is coming back in the next week or two. The Saints have won every game that Teddy Bridgewater started. The Redskins Dolphins. 0-5. I'm sorry, 0-4 against 0-5. 0-9 combined. Yeah. The game was probably about that. But it was exciting at the end. Fitzy came in the game, scored, went for two. Stopped at the goal line. Redskins win for Bill Callahan, 17-16. to And Adrian Peterson, active for Bill Callahan, ran 23 times for 118 yards. Case Keenum got the start through two touchdowns. Terry McLaurin, a big game. The rookie at Ohio State has been crushing it. Devontae Parker scored with six seconds left, but the subsequent two-point conversion was tackled short. Redskins win the first of the year. They are 1-5. Still not very good, but 1-5. Eagles and Vikings. I didn't see this coming. Kirk Cousins, not one, not two, not three, but four touchdowns for the Vikings. Lit up Philadelphia up in Minnesota. Cousins was fantastic. He needed to be. 22 of 29, four touchdowns. Did throw a pick. Had 138.4 rating. That's one of his highest all time. And they just dominated against the Philadelphia Eagles. Pretty much throughout the day. The Eagles got it to 24-17 early in the third, but then the Vikings ran away with it. Stephon Diggs, 62-yard touchdown pass, 51-yard touchdown pass, 11-yard touchdown pass. I would think they want to keep Stephon Diggs in Minnesota. The Vikings go to 4-2. and two. They've been up and down, but they're 4-2. and two. And the Eagles, 3-3. Three and three. The Cardinals and the Falcons, the Battle of the Birds goes to the Cardinals. Atlanta stayed out in Arizona this week after playing us, and they stayed out there. And what a game, back and forth, back and forth. And with a minute 53, the Falcons scored. Devontae Freeman scored a 12-yard pass to tie the game. Matt Bryant missed the extra point. Kyler Murray was all kinds of awesome. 27-37 for 340 yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. And here's the thing to keep in mind with the Cardinals. If the Cardinals had made a field goal, Against the Lions in week one, the Cardinals would have the same record as the L.A. Rams, who lost to the Niners yesterday, and what a defensive performance it was for defense coordinator Robert Sala, a former Texans assistant. They were awesome. Goal line stands. They held Goff to 78 yards passing. He was sacked four times. It was an unbelievable performance for the 49ers defense. That group is coming together. Garoppolo, not a great game. Did enough. But Tevin Coleman ran one in. Garoppolo rushed for had a sneak for a touchdown. The 49ers get it done against the Rams, 20-7. That leaves the Rams at 3-3. Three three. The Niners 5-0 atop that division. I know they're going to have the Seahawks here pretty soon, but that's going to be a gargantuan matchup with San Francisco and the Seahawks. The 49ers are playing very well for Kyle Shanahan. In an ugly one for Tennessee, the Denver Broncos beat Tennessee 16 to nothing. Goose egg. Why? Marcus Mariota, 7 of 18, 63 yards, two picks, a rating of 9.5. 9.5. Brian Tannehill came in 13 to 16, 144 yards, one interception. Seven sacks, three interceptions for the Broncos against the Tennessee Titans. Ugly day for Tennessee. Mike Vrabel, not sure what to do. Titans fall to 2-4. and four. Broncos improve to 2-4 and four and now play the Chiefs on Thursday night. And then one I'm sure a lot of people probably chuckled beforehand. I, w- I read a couple of tweets beforehand. 
Oh, we're spending too much time worrying about the Jets. The Jets aren't going to beat the Cowboys. Come on. And then they did. The Jets beat the Cowboys. Mr. Mono beat Mono and the Cowboys in the same week. Sam Donald, 23 of 32, 338 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Robbie Anderson, a 92-yard touchdown catch after a defensive stop. Ryan Griffin also got in the end zone. Good for him. I was always a big fan of Ryan. I, I, I love talking to Ryan. He did great things for the Texans, so I'm cheering for him with the Jets. They get it done. The Jets have a quarterback, and because they do, they move to 1-4 and four in the year. Cowboys fall to 3-3. Three and three. And then Pittsburgh West out in L.A. last night in uh, Dignity Sports Park turned into Pittsburgh West. It was unbelievable if you didn't see it. Steelers fans all over the place. Devin Hodges didn't do a ton, 15-20, one touchdown, one interception. The story in this game was Devin Bush. Devin Bush had seven tackles. He had an interception. He broke up a pass. He had a fumble recovery. He scored uh, on that fumble recovery, nine-yarder. He has six turnovers this year, the rookie out of Michigan. Pittsburgh traded up to go get him. One of the smartest things they did. Pittsburgh wins the Battle of the Watts. TJ gets this one. Over uh, Derek, 24-17. to 17. So, if you keep the score at home, JJ, 1-0. TJ, 1-0. Derek, 0-2 in the Battle of the Watts. I hate it for Derek. He's a good guy. But that's just kind of the way it is. So, there you go. Our day around the NFL. All right, we get back. We'll talk to our buddy Andre Ware right here on Texas All Access. we got one final segment of Texas All Access. And we're turning over to our good buddy Andre Ware. But to do that, Here's the two-point conversion. Listen closely. Second and goal at the one. Deshaun calls for the ball. Here's the snap. Watson fakes the gift. Steps out to his left. Watson wants to run, and he dives for the goal line. He's in! Deshaun Watson twisting his way into the end zone to grab the lead for Houston. Ball at the two for the two-point conversion to try to make it a seven-point lead. Three receivers left. Hopkins in motion to the right. He's got Hop if he wants him. Watson in the gun, gets the snap, throws yep. right side. He's got Hopkins for the deuce, and the Texans lead by seven. And that's just years of experience watching and playing football. It's, Texans Monday presented by Houston Methodist. It's Nostradamus wear, that's, not Andre wear. It, it, all right, so Nostradamus wear. Andre, I'm taking you to Vegas. We're, we're going to the sports book. We're, gonna, we're just going to do some business, my friend. Good morning, and uh, what did you see on that play? Well, I just saw the coverage, and, and based on where the coverage was, I was kind of shocked that uh, in that instance, Kent, the uh, Chiefs defense was playing zone, and they were soft on Hop, who was the inside receiver at the time, and uh, all he had to do was basically get to the to the uh, the goal line and turn around, and we see that that play so many times when uh, teams are playing blitz, he'll get about six yards down the field, and uh, and all of a sudden you you uh, it to him. Well, it was the same scenario, but all he had to do was get to two yards and turn around, which is an even easier throwing uh, throwing catch for him. So it was presented there, and, and and I thought Deshaun did a heck of a job of seeing it. Dre, if I'd have told you the Texans are going to fumble on their first play, be down seventeen to three, lose the turnover battle, would you have told me there's any chance they could have won that game? Well, uh, you know, I might have. <laughs> Maybe, but doubt, <laughs> doubtful. Uh, <laughs> but that's why he played 60 minutes. I mean, they just kind of kept hanging around after the mistakes. 
and uh, and found themselves right there when uh, when the game was on the line and took advantage of it and and uh, and, and shut Kansas City down. I thought the three and out was uh, was big. Um, and then after that was after I think an interception, and then after after that, I thought the biggest play in the game was the the Charles Amenahu sack sack fumble where right before halftime with 32 seconds on the clock because for a couple of reasons. The Chiefs had really hadn't gone under center unless they were running the football or, or maybe a quick screen pass. But to go under center that at that point on the field uh, and then try to load up and throw a deep shot, it wasn't what Andy Reid had been doing. You got a, a quarterback that's not 100%. You got the, the entire left side of your offensive line that's injured. Uh, I thought that was uh, – Kind of an unfortunate play if you if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan and a and a fortunate play for having having run it uh, if you're a Texans fan that sack was I thought the difference in the game. Andre Ware joining us on Texans Monday. Deshaun Watson, what's he seeing right now? What's the development like? Is it slowing down for him? How would you describe it? Because he's improving clearly. Yeah, you can practice all you want. And go through things, and and it's a you know a long off season. You're still working through OTAs and so on and so forth. But when you come back, and it's and you, you it's the regular season, and you're going through preseason. You're not playing very much. Uh, you're not seeing a lot of quarterbacks don't see the entire field uh, early in the season. And so when uh, when that happens, you're not executing at the level that you want to. Now as the season starts to progress. And you're on. You're you start to see more and more, and I think that's where he is right now. He is uh, hit his stride, and it's nice to see him hit his stride. Only six games into uh, end of the season, so uh, he's seeing the entire field. Uh, he is playing at a very high level, and it took a loss uh, for him to go back and kind of reevaluate himself, and then come back from it. And I, I think he's come back from it in grand fashion. Dre, it felt like the offensive mix yesterday was, I don't want to say eclectic, but it felt like it was kind of dealer's choice for Bill O'Brien. He's finding a lot of different things that work. They ran the RPO packages yesterday, but they were able to do that because the offensive line was brilliant again. No sacks, only one quarterback hit, only one tackle for a loss yesterday. Mm. And it took to the second to last play of the game, really, on that third and one play. What have you seen with the offensive line, Dre? I know it's the Falcons and the Chiefs. But it's felt like those that unit has taken over in those two games. What do you think of the way they've played and how they played yesterday? No, I think they've been solid, and and hopefully uh, Titus Howard. Uh, I'm not sure the the injury of the significance of that injury yet, but hopefully he can bounce back. Um, but even in his his uh, his absence, Roger Johnson stepped right in and and really showing him. Showing that they had confidence in him, they ran. They didn't stop running to his side. They ran right at him about the second play. Uh, he was in the game at right tackle. So it's uh, the fastest way, and I say this all the time: the fastest way to get an offensive line invested in a game is to run the football and tell them, "Look, it's on you to move bodies." And, and uh, this because honestly, that's how they want to play. And so they get a chance instead of catching, they get a chance to fire off. And when you play a game like that, where the week before, you've watched the Colts run it 45 times. Now it's kind of a challenge to you to see, okay, can we do the exact same things? Are we that kind of offensive line? And I think the answer yesterday was certainly yes. They're starting to come together. There's continuity on the offensive line. Guys are getting used to 
having the same guy next to him from week in to week out, that, uh, that, that goes a long way. Trey, with the Colts, you're going to have to stop the run, and they've been good at stopping the run. It's not just about that, but you get the feeling that if they can bottle up Marlon Mack, that's obviously going to be a huge factor, a huge ingredient in being able to pull out a win on Sunday. Yeah, we usually uh, kind of refer to teams like Jacksonville or within the division, Jacksonville and Tennessee as being the physical teams in the division. Um, it's not that way anymore. Indianapolis with, with Frank Reich as their head coach is kind of, that's their identity right now. And it's to run the football behind a good young offensive line that's one of the better offensive lines in the entire NFL, in my opinion, which is why they've been able to unplug Andrew Luck, plug in Jacoby Brissett, and still perform at a, at a, at a level that's, that it takes to win football games. And so Marlon Mack is, is having uh, success because of it. Jacoby Brissett, as I mentioned, is having some success because of it in the passing game. Uh, is having success because of it, because they're giving the quarterback time to throw the football. It all starts up front with those five guys and, and throw in the tight ends as well. Jack Doyle uh, is, ha- is off to a good start this year. But that's why. And, and when they they want to get physical, they will do it, and they will stay there uh, to the tune of 45 runs uh, in their game against Kansas City. And they're not afraid to just pound it out and 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 beat you that way. So it'll. But this is going to be a very physical football team. I think it's going to take its toll as uh, as the game winds down sixty minutes later. Uh, and you're going to have to take advantage of times that you get the football because they can limit a game as the Texans did yesterday uh, against the Chiefs to the tune of what was it, thirty nine minutes eighteen seconds of time of possession. Uh, that's that's just dominating a football game and and, and keeping an offense off the field, which is exactly what they needed to do. Uh, I'd say pretty much uh, 30, let's see, 55 minutes of that game, so to speak. Uh, Mm -hmm. They needed every bit of that 39 minutes. Yesterday in the second half, the Texans 23-66-24-06. of 30 Mm. minutes in the second half had the football I, that, yeah. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Dre, uh, yesterday when we were on the plane home, the Titans went to the Broncos. And at some point, Marcus Mariota got pulled. Ryan Tannehill went in. That situation has never sounded good. But in your gut, we don't play Tennessee till later in the year. Who do you think ends up taking over or keeping the quarterback job? You going with Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill? I think they'll go back to Mariota because, you know, it's it's sometimes one of those games where you just know a guy's having an off day. Uh, I think they'll go back to him next week. and But, again, the lease gets shorter at that point in time once you make that move. And so at some point I think it will be Tannehill. Uh, and Tannehill looked, looked good in the preseason. I'm sure uh, they've got a lot of confidence in him, which is why they made the move yesterday and not allow, you know, Marcus Mariota to play his way out of a funk. But uh, ultimately, I think by season's end, it will be Tannehill who will be, who'll be on the center for Tennessee. Trey, what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys? I know you probably didn't have a Ooh. chance to watch the game because I was sitting right next to you and we were 30,000 yeah. feet above the ground. But that is rough stuff. And Sam Darnold, we saw it up close and personal last year. The Jets are pretty good with Darnold, and he seems to be maturing as he gets over mono. He's in his second year now. He can get it going. 
Yeah, there were all these stats about, uh, you know, with him in the lineup and when he's out and how many – they hadn't thrown a touchdown pass on the season to a wide receiver. They hadn't had a running back uh, score a touchdown with, with him out of the uh, the lineup. It was just – it was ridiculous how bad they were. And then all of a sudden the, the Cowboys go there and uh, he gets back in the lineup and they are able to take care of business. Um I can't tell you what's going on with the Cowboys. I, I think there's uh, – there, there, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of youth in their coaching staff. And uh, from the offensive coordinator to the quarterback coach to the tight ends coach, there's a lot of youth there. And so when you're doing something for the very first time, it takes a while. Uh, it takes reps to get better at it and game plan and so on and so forth. I don't care how long you've played and how good a coach you're going to ultimately become. Uh, it takes some growing up to get there. And they're getting it, uh, you know, job on-the-job training, so to speak, from week to week from this point or the start of the season uh, to 17 weeks later. So uh, will they bounce back? they got a lot of talent. I would, I would expect they will. But uh, right now they're just – I think teams are able to figure them out. They had a pretty soft schedule the first three games of the season. So when you had Cowboy fans running around talking about going to the Super Bowl and winning it, I think they put the card a little bit ahead of the horse uh, if they were realistic about who they were playing. And then even yesterday, you think that might have been one of, a, a letdown game, thinking, oh, it's the Jets, they're winless. We'll go up here and get one and get on back. And the next thing you know, they're in a dogfight uh, for 60 minutes. It's uh, They just got too much talent to play that way. That was a really fun conversation this morning with Andre Ware, our game analyst, and he absolutely called that two-point conversion and just nailed it. Nobody was over Hop. You watch the play, Hop literally just stepped across the goal line and Sean threw it to him. It was a great two-point play, but Dre was on it. He just he saw it all the way, nailed it, and the Texans nailed it and got that win 31-24. It was a heck of a day in Kansas City getting that win, but now got to go on the road and do it again. That's the hardest thing I think to do in the NFL is go on the road consecutive weeks. Go on the road in consecutive weeks and do it against a team as physical as the Colts will be. That, my friends, is going to be very, very, very hard. But got to do it. All right, Monday Night Football tonight, Packers v. Lions. You hear that right here on our flagship sports radio, 610. We have got you covered for that. Saw both those teams in training camp. Just based on that, I would say the Lions, but... Packers have been playing very well, and I believe the game is in Green Bay. So that always gives an edge to the Packers to play at Lambeau Field. I miss Lambeau Field. I really like it. Not the grass. Grass is slippery. I didn't like the grass. But that's a different story for a different day. Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texas.